We just scrambled. We're all good. We got there. Well, one of us scrambled. Oh. I'm just cool, calm, collected as usual. No, you're doing you're doing like the work of three people as a guest. <laughs> guest host. Yes, yes. It, it well, it's very fun and then also of course getting the emails from work like, "Oh, is this good to send?" Like, "Oh no. Hey guys, I'm out today for a little bit." So, it's it's all good. But Dan, you have sat in this chair. You've hosted for Steve before? I, I have. And, and I was never invited back, so that tells you how well I did. I'm, I'm no Tracy Johnson, that's for sure. Well, you have like a big job. You run a law firm. You are a litigator and an attorney and have important work to do. Oh, well, I guess. I, I am a, I'm just a simple country lawyer from Beloit, Wisconsin. I do what I can on behalf of the criminally accused in Wisconsin, and it's a fun job. But, you know, taking a turn at the microphone is also pretty fun as well. It's really fun. I I actually went to school thinking that I wanted to be in radio. And then my advisor said, Tracy, you are going to have to move around the country. I'm not sure it's for you. He he knew that I was like a homebody. He knew that I was like so close to my family and I didn't want to move anywhere well, like 100 miles away from them. So anyway, it's all worked out. It all worked out. So, Dan, so what have you been up to since well, being behind the microphone? You we, we went through a couple of topics uh, in preparation for the show, but you know, you spent some time doing a lot of political punditry, and so so know. the nice thing about being a solo practitioner uh, and just doing criminal law, which you know I don't have big corporate clients, uh, I get to do my kind of freelance stuff, my interest things, my pet projects, and nobody is there to say, Dan, don't do that. Like if I was at a huge law firm. And one thing I, you know, I've always been very active in is uh, just saying what I believe uh, here in the media on behalf of what I think are underreported issues or issues that the people care about that the politicians and the elites don't care about. Uh, and to, you know, hang a lantern on public policy that is under discussed. And one of these things, and I, you and I, I think, are opposed on this issue, uh, is this tax money for the Brewer Stadium mm-hmm. subsidy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, again, a a little side project I have, I have a a fund called uh, Milwaukee Works, Inc. Uh, Occasionally, we will run a public policy poll on something that is interesting. And we ran a poll last month uh, uh, gauging whether voters statewide across the state of Wisconsin uh, supported tax money being used for the stadium. And uh, it came back pretty overwhelmingly. Only 29 percent of uh, the over uh, 1,300 people we surveyed support using tax money for the stadium. Uh, And, you know, that's something that hasn't been discussed because the elites and the um, uh, lobbyists and the public relations people that are all geared up Mm -hmm. to jam through a a, a stadium tax don't want to hear it. And they don't want the politicians to know that the voters are almost diametrically opposed to that type of subsidy. So in this survey, and I I just pulled it up that you conducted in 1300 Sample sample size is significant. I mean, this is not like a you know fifteen you know person survey size. This is pretty significant. What has the response been from the electeds who you've shared this with? Sure. So I don't lobby. I'm not a lobbyist, and I have no interest in being a lobbyist. I'm not. You know, I don't get paid by Milwaukee Works to do any of this kind of activism stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. I, you know, you send this off to the media and you hope it makes a ripple. I think that the media has picked up on this because it's kind of a uh, 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 man bites dog story of, hey, you have all of the elites, 
all of the downtown business types, uh, all of the paid lobbyists in Madison, all pushing these politicians and bullying them into doing a quick uh, bill to support uh, the stadium with tax money. And then you out of out of nowhere comes this poll. And as you said, 1300 people is a huge sample size. Uh, it's bigger than the Marquette uh, law poll usually puts out, uh, which basically says, hey, we don't we're not for this as taxpayers. And so that kind of changes the narrative. And I hope that it gives uh, the legislators a little backbone uh, to push back on what I think is fundamentally the problem with this debate we're having about the tax subsidy mm-hmm. uh, for the stadium is that the brewers really want to push this through very quickly that from the outset. They don't want a public discussion about this because I think they know from their own polling, which they never release, they know that taxpayers are against it. And the more publicity, the more actual discussion about this, uh, the the least likely it is to be passed through. Well, any tax increase, I would think, would be unpopular. And, you know, similar to what happened with the Pfizer Forum and with the Bucks, the public really wasn't wasn't asked and they i think have seen that this money is being put to good use and they're seeing kind of the impact and they're seeing that this type of like this packaging works to produce those those results and so what was the next question that you asked about would you want the brewers to leave and would you be willing to let them leave if we didn't come up with a solution or is the answer just make the brewers pay for it? Well, that's the answer Yeah, we, we did ask, you know, given uh, all of your priorities, you know, uh, roads, public safety, health care versus uh, a stadium subsidy. Which are you, you know, which is a bigger priority? And it was basically 70 percent to 16 percent for the other things mm-hmm. versus the stadium. So when you know that there's only so much tax money that a state has, that a community has to spend on different things. When you actually break it down, what's actually important for you as a as a voter and a taxpayer? It's the other stuff. And I think that they know that a California billionaire, Mark Atanasio, who just pumped $50 million into a uh, British soccer team, uh, they just know that it's wrong to subsidize his asset. Uh, and I think that they know that, you know, 20, what was it, 23 years ago, when we went through the first iteration of the Miller Park funding uh, uh, fiasco, uh, that we kind of thought this was going to be it. You know, we paid $509 million. Uh, the, the five county sales tax went on much longer than originally, uh, was proposed. It was actually just sunsetted two years ago. And now you have these billionaire owners with their hands out, uh, asking for more of our money. Uh, and with the veiled threat that they're going to, you know, take their ball and go home if they don't get it. And I think that that uh, people just hate that uh, in terms of fairness and justice. We know that tax money can be used in better in better places. And yet here they are. And they're not even really asking. They're demanding. Mm-hmm. I think Rick Schlesinger has done a unbelievably bad job in putting forth the brewer's position. He comes off in every public statement he makes as entitled, uh, as demanding as being Dr. No when it comes to actually striking a deal. So do, do you ask the question or do you think people understand the impact if the brewers did leave or do they understand that if this was to let's just say the brewer said, you know what, we're going to fund this whole thing. 
but then we are going to strike a deal where we are not going to share certain tax revenue or tax benefits. Do people understand kind of that symbiotic relationship and the investment that they're making in the team? Or do you think it's far more complicated than that? I, it's it's more complicated. But the premise of your question, I think I disagree with. The brewers aren't leaving. This is, you know, they can threaten to leave, but they're not leaving. We have, in, in terms of attendance, Milwaukee, we fill the stadium. We have mm-hmm. good fans. This is a committed baseball town. Uh, there's 30 teams, right? We are 15th in attendance. So you look at what, where they're threatening to go, like they're going to go to Orlando. Well, Florida has two teams already, <laughs> and both of those teams bring in about 25,000 uh, into their stadium on any given day. Uh, we bring in 40. Per, t- okay. per game, yeah. Yeah, so we so. don't have the biggest TV market, and I know that's the owners want more money from TV, and that's what they point to. But in the last 20 years, there's been two teams that have moved. Uh, you know, uh, DC got a team from Montreal. That was 20 years ago. I was a little kid when that happened. Uh, and recently, Oakland is moving to Las Vegas. It doesn't happen. This is a threat that they make to uh, taxpayers across the country. They build up smaller markets, say, we're going here, we're going to Nashville, we're going to Charlotte. They almost never do. And so I think from a negotiation standpoint, uh, Tony Evers, Robin Voss, Rob Brooks, they have basically just uh, been catfished on this idea that the brewers are leaving. They're not leaving. So how do we resolve this? Because I, I, I do think that maybe some of the communication hasn't been, you know, this has been a very fast process. And maybe not everyone has been brought to the table who needs to be brought to the table, but how do we resolve this in an amicable fashion? So it's not the, the elites, as you say it versus the taxpayers. So, because these are our Milwaukee brewers and, and, you know, I am from the side that we need to work together and find out a solution. I don't know what the details are of that, but at the end of the day, I almost feel like we're creating this consternation and this conflict where you say, oh, fine, just leave. And we don't need you anyway. And and I I feel like that's a, a bad place to be. <laughs> well, so what's the answer yeah, to I'm the not, forward? I'm not saying that because I don't think they're going to do it. Uh, you know, if we're, if these are our Milwaukee brewers, why doesn't Anastasio uh, cut us in on equity? If we're going to uh, subsidize your asset, why don't we get cut in when you sell the thing? And by the way, he's going to sell the thing once this uh, stadium deal comes through. That's number one. I don't think that's ever going to happen. But if all things being equal, that's what would happen. Uh but instead of that, how about the people who are using the, the the team and the stadium as their entertainment source pay for it? So just like, you know, uh, if, yeah. if I go to the movie theater, I don't ask Tracy Johnson to help subsidize my my theater ticket. Uh, a ticket surcharge and uh, Senator Kapenga, uh, uh, I think, uh, uh, is big on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about a dollar on a uh, surcharge on each ticket or what he's saying, a three or six percent? surcharge on every ticket so if you have a first baseline on the you know on the field you're going to pay like 10 bucks more for that ticket or we could have a, a parking surcharge or did you know that the the beer prices at, <laughs> at uh the stadium are the lowest in oh, the league what wait yes. a minute yes and they're like 15 dollars. Okay, they're not they're like eight dollars i drink but how about a dollar surcharge on a okay. alcoholic drink so if you're there to have a good time God bless you. You like the brewers. You like to have a drink. How about pay a dollar towards the stadium? I mean, that's the fairness uh, argument here. Not the, the single mom or the elderly gentleman who's going to the store and has a, you know, a sales tax uh, placed on his item or her item when they're not asking for that, when they're not partaking in that entertainment experience. You know, th- this is only fair. 
uh, that the people who uh, are benefiting pay for pay for that benefit. Did you think there's a an opportunity or a, a circumstance where the brewers would no longer be a tenant and instead they would buy the stadium and then they could think about that differently? I have no idea what that would cost or what that would look like, but then they can control all of that and we don't need yeah, to I, think about Yeah, it. let's sell it to them. Let's sell them to it. Let's give them the stadium for a dollar. You can do whatever you want. You pay for it. It's your asset. That would be another, uh, you know, market-based approach to this. Market-based approach. Wow. What a concept. We love free markets, don't we? (laughs) Dan Adams, thank you so much for your time. We have a lot of great other topics to get to. You'll be around after the break. Dan Adams, Adams Law Group. Your your shirt says, free speech makes free people. And if you listen to that last segment, you know where he's coming from. (laughs) Welcome back on WTMJ. Dan Adams is with us in the studio today. I'm Tracy Johnson filling in for Steve Scafidi and lots of great feedback on this. Anytime we talk about the the Brewer Stadium or the American Family Field and the funding package, we get a ton of feedback. But I feel like you're you're sending some truth out there today. The, the funding your... package slash extortion package. Oh, okay. That... No. <laughs> and we disagree on the positioning of it. But I think in some of these robust discussions, you do come up with solutions. I mean, I've been involved in discussions around the development. Okay. And like tying development of the parking lot to the the funding deal. And it's just, it's like brain damage because it's so complicated and you just said it right as we went to break, but what's the what are the market circumstances and what is right. the market demand for for any of these things, whether it's development, whether it's a brewer's ticket and, and all of that. So that's so Tracy, as you know, that I used to be on this same time on Fridays with Colin Roth, um, good friend of mine, and we were on the Scafidi, we were Adams versus Roth every Friday yes. on the Scafidi show. And, you know, it became clear to both Colin and I, after doing it for three, four years, that we didn't want to be kind of put into boxes anymore. You know, here, here's Democrat Dan and Republican Colin and face off and, and give hot takes from each of your sides. Because just like the stadium issue, uh, there was a lot of things where he and I, our, our politics kind of overlapped. Or we didn't think that the issue was uh, being set up in a in a right way by the parties. Sure. And so it was just very we just kind of had an intellectual awakening of like, we, we don't want to do this anymore. We don't want to participate in the spy versus spy. If you remember that old comic strip from Mad Magazine, it, it, it just doesn't it's just not one. It's not intellectually honest. And there's a lot more that you can get into if you just break down an issue uh, from its very basics, uh, not from a partisan level, but just a, is this good public policy? Uh, and, and we kind of dropped out of punditing because of that. Um, and I think this stadium is a, is a good example. I mean, there are, you know, a far left winger like Senator Chris Larson and, uh, you know, right wing, uh, politicians, uh, you know, in the state Senate who are on the same page of this, of not wanting a taxpayer subsidy for, for stadium improvements. And I think that this kind of shows that, uh, once you actually get down in the weeds of an, an issue, some of this, you know, red versus blue stuff fades away. Yeah. And so when we talk about those political labels, do you think that actually stops us from being able to, to move forward with this case in point, whether it's transportation funding, whether it's, you know, tax subsidies, 
election reform? Are well, we yeah. actually doing ourselves any I favors? Mean, as you said, all of these issues are so complex that us as lay people who are not, you know, experts in whatever subcategory of policy, how do we make our decision? Usually we figure out somebody that we trust, whether that's a broadcaster, you know, Fox News or MSNBC or a politician, you know, what are they saying about the issue? And based on who we trust, we take whatever they say and kind of plug it into our, mm-hmm. our presets. Um, and, and then that that's now our part of our political belief system. And that I mean, some of that is just we're busy living our lives. You know, we can't be uh, scouring, you know, the legislative fiscal bureau uh, 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 memos on some issue to come up with a real nuanced policy position. We actually, you know, we got to go to work. We have to take care of our families, et cetera. Uh, so but we really rely upon um, those type of, you know, unfortunately, news entertainment types kind of drive the narrative and then we just accept it as people and i don't know it, it gets a little boring if you're just playing this tribal um you know sport r versus d all the time yeah well and it makes it difficult to really have that conversation when we talk about partisanship it, it, to really come up with a bipartisan solution and i've always thought that you know, politics is important, but policy is even more important. The unfortunate thing is you need politicians to create good policy. And more and more, you use the word tribal. That is what it feels like. What do you think of this this movement for no labels or a, a third party? I know those are two different things. But, you know, when you start to say, how do you, I don't want to say identify, but how do you how do you see right. that going forward, especially so, our generation? Right. So I, I should be the poster boy for the no labels thing because I'm a I'm a centrist. I'm kind of more libertarian than anything else. I found myself in the Democratic column uh, just kind of by happenstance. Um, and I'm I'm s- kind of stuck there because of Trump. I can't I can't deal with Trump. Uh, so I find myself as a Democrat. But, you know, I bet 50 percent of my policy kind of if you had me write down what i believe in would be more unlike the paul ryan you know <laughs> fiscal conservative uh free markets free people type type list um so it's just so hard you know where am i supposed to go there's this no labels thing should i throw in with them but when you kind of scratch the surface uh, of these third parties uh you kind of realize they're only spoilers you know, they, they can only come in and take votes from uh, either of the parties, which is going to, you know, the, the end result will be the other major party is going to win. Uh, this is just how we've set up our system, a two party uh, government. And so, you know, my what I've come down on is, you know, we're not going to start a third party. That's never going to uh, succeed in America. The best thing to do is to go into whatever party it is, Republican or Democrat, and try to win primaries, try to be the uh, reasonable person within that party, try to pull that party a little more to the center. Unfortunately, it's been a little aggravating and frustrating, especially since 2016, trying to to, to be the kind of uh, moderating force in whatever party you're in, because we've just been uh, losing. <laughs> uh, and I think that goes to the incentive structure uh, of, uh, you know, the primary system and and how politics has been set up these last decade or so dan adams wouldn't it feel great to 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 win every once in a while reasonable people winning every once in a while instead of moving to the extremes and we saw this with kind of the battle that happened in congress with the speaker battle so we're going to hit break but when we come back you are going to be busy next week uh commenting and and doing your work 
in litigation, commenting as an attorney on a number of trials. So we will discuss when we come back. Dan Adams in with me, Tracy Johnson, who's filling in for Steve Scafidi, right here on WTMJ. It's WTMJ Now. News, opinions, Wisconsin. Everything you need to know in the Badger State and beyond. Here's your host, Tracy Johnson. Welcome back on WTMJ. That was a long break. That's called combining the breaks. That's what happens when you have such a great guest in the studio. A guy who cannot shut up. Well, I mean, even your T-shirt is talking, right? (laughs) Free speech makes free people. We are joined in studio by Dan Adams of Adams Law Group. Just speaking truth, I think. We're talking about the stadium funding. We're talking about political labels and, and why they're stupid. Right. Yep, they are. <laughs> um, but but in your your day job, in your in your day job, um, you are a, a litigator and you're a criminal defense attorney and you are a, an expert and you'll be working on a case that's coming up next week. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So uh, one of the, the things about having a big mouth and, and not uh, being against opening one's big mouth is, <laughs> is that when the media figures out, you'll actually talk to them and talk to them on camera. Then they they have this insatiable you know, um, desire for you to go on camera. It's unbelievable. Um, uh, so anyway, one of the local TV stations has figured this out that I'm, I'm like a moth to the TV camera. Um, <laughs> and they've asked me to do trial analysis and I had done this for, we'll just say it, it's, it's channel 12, a great channel, very professional people. Uh, I did the Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, uh anal- um, analyzing, uh, back I remember when that, that was happening yep. every morning, waking up every morning to talk about some other person's trial, which is a little like as a, a trial lawyer, it's like kissing your sister. You know, I'd rather be the lawyer in the <laughs> yes. trial, but here I am talking about somebody else's trial, but there's a trial coming on next week, which is, um, extremely, uh, interesting and divisive and controversial. It's, uh, Michael Mattioli. He was a off duty police uh, uh, I think officer in the city of Milwaukee, he had a big drinking party. I think there's no dispute about that at his home. And one of the guests at his party was an, um, individual named Joel Acevedo. Um, and in the morning after this party, I think everybody was still, um, intoxicated. There was an altercation between Mattioli and another individual and Acevedo, uh, Mattioli, um, uh, held down Acevedo. Uh, the allegation is that he choked him and Acevedo died some days later. Uh, and the medical examiner said that it was because he was uh, died of basically asphyxiation, which is uh, strangulation. Uh, this had a huge twist in it because the medical examiner for Milwaukee County, the chief guy, Brian Peterson, uh, who did the autopsy, who made the uh, expert finding that Acevedo died of being strangled, essentially, uh, basically is taken off. He was at one point the highest paid county employee and again, head of the medical examiner uh, uh, unit and basically retired and left. We, nobody knows where he is, or at least they're not saying where he is. Uh, and they've tried to send him a subpoena to come to court to testify about his uh, autopsies and he won't accept the subpoenas. So uh, this has delayed, unfortunately, for both uh, Mattioli and uh, the Acevedo family. This has delayed the trial for like a year and a half as another medical examiner has come in to review the work of, of uh, Dr. Peterson. And it's finally going to trial next week. And I get to go on Channel 12 and uh, do my analysis of what's going on. And how long do you th- expect something like this to last? This is a 
jury trial? It's a jury trial. Yeah. So, you know, every fact uh, has to be found by the jury and they have to, um, the state has the burden of proof, uh, obviously, to show that uh, Mattioli not only caused the death, but uh, was not acting in any reasonable self-defense of Acevedo. So they have to put forward all of their officers. I mean, the, the interesting thing about this is the officers uh, were called to the home by Mattioli. Mattioli called 911, mm-hmm. said, hey, come to my come to my house. When the officers got there, they had their body worn cameras on and they saw Mattioli on top of Acevedo. So there's kind of this this video evidence uh, that will come into into view. And then obviously the big part is is what actually happened to Acevedo's uh, body. Uh, and that is where all of the medical expertise comes through. That is fascinating. So we will be following. We will be watching. I'm sure that your content will be picked up by other sources. I know I've seen you on national news a couple of times as well. So that's it'll be it, interesting to watch. Do you think it'll get to this level, the national uh, level? Well, I I don't know. Well, I mean, the thing of it, nobody would really. This would just be another homicide. Unfortunately, in Milwaukee County, there's about 200 homicides a year. Uh, what makes this different is the day job of the defendant. Uh, you know, he's since um, uh, uh, left the Milwaukee Police Department, thankfully. Uh, but his day job of being an officer who's then arrested for a, a pretty serious crime and reckless homicide, this does draw attention. Fascinating. So before we let you go off to your day, off to your Friday afternoon, um, it's the holiday season. Now, and we were talking off air as the the the, the, the uh, microphone was off. You're very excited about one holiday oh, yeah. tradition. Oh, let, let me tell you, my pet peeve of the week is. Oh boy, uh, it's a pet peeve. I thought you were excited. Well, it's so We Energies every year comes okay. out with this cookie recipe book, right? And everybody goes up in arms. And Channel Twelve again, where where I'm appearing next week, they had the newscopter. What? The newscopter when they released this cookbook. Over Franklin Field, there okay. was a line of cars. There was like 200 cars okay. waiting people to pick up their cookie recipe book. And for me, as someone who I just don't get it, <laughs> like what well, I guess I don't bake. Right. And I don't care about cookies, but I can't imagine getting in my car, driving to Franklin, waiting in a car line to pick up this free recipe book from We Energies. It's like a tradition, though. It's like a holiday tradition. I know there's one in the in the lobby outside the studio here, the We Energies cookie book. It's like you put your hands on it. It's it, everything is electronic now. So maybe that's it. It's like you can touch it. You can feel it. There are new recipes. It's sourced by the community, right? This is like a community project. There is, there's, there's first responders are this year. So that's their hook. So we energies who, you know, they have some monopoly on our, on our power money and get to raise rates basically <laughs> at will. You know, PSC has to uh, approve it, but they basically get our money and in turn we get a cookie recipe book. Fascinating. Dan Adams, Adams Law Group. Good luck next week on the trial. Thanks so much for being with us today.